0: back to the equipoise podcast today's episode into the void Last week, I spent our 10 minutes together talking about a careful and Christ-like approach to the LGBTQ topic that often runs against the grain of some other approaches taken by well-meaning Christians. In short, we talked about how there's a balance somewhere between being too concessive and conciliatory on one end and being combatively confrontational on the other. Christ achieved this balance and we should strive to as well. However, in preparation for one particular protest to this principle, I prepared this present podcast to parry this particular pushback. Here it is. By strategizing and being winsome, you're not doing it God's way. All we really have to do is quote scripture since we read in Isaiah 55 that God promises that his word will not return void. That's all we need. God will do the rest. Or some form of this argument, anyhow. So, with regards to last week's LGBTQ discussion, or any discussion, really, this would mean that a proper confrontation of sin is accomplished by simply quoting scripture, standing on the side of the road with a sandwich sign containing a verse or two, or paying money for a billboard with scripture printed on it, and so forth. And that's enough, because God's word, after all, doesn't return void. This way of understanding this phrase could also apply to evangelism in general. I remember when, as a young person, I'd go door-to-door with gospel tracts and I'd make sure to leave them everywhere, regardless of how hostile the homeowner may have been or how many no trespassing signs they had on their property because God's word wouldn't return void. So just by leaving a gospel tract in a door handle or putting one in someone's hand, I was going to see results in heaven one day because God's word doesn't return void. Not that there's anything wrong with going door-to-door, inviting people to church and sharing the gospel, but my point is the abuse of that particular phrase. I've also read this applied to parents and grandparents who pray for their children while quoting scripture as if it's a magic token that ensures that their prayers will work, as it were. I've also read a staggering anachronism that says that since John says Jesus is the word, riffing off of the popular theosophy of the day, that Isaiah obviously was talking about Jesus hundreds of years before that was ever a theosophical concept. Lastly, I just read someone say that God's word doesn't return void, so we can declare or decree the word of God over our lives, families, friends, and nations of the world. So, kind of like declaring bankruptcy by yelling it loudly in your local Scranton paper company office building. Since the word won't return void, it has to do something when it's spoken or quoted. After all, God promised, right? Well, we need to take a look at this with discernment. What does it mean that God's word will not return void? Where does this phrase come from? What does it mean in its own context? And what are the elements involved in this phrase? How do we understand this verse? Or are we allowed to employ this promise today? Let's take a look. First, this phrase is found in Isaiah 5510 through 11 where Isaiah is speaking for God and says, For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it to bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be, that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. In this passage, God's word is obviously likened to the rain or snow which falls on the earth. The precipitation cycle clearly isn't in view here, at the very least since the analogy doesn't work that way. In this illustration, the water doesn't come back up, but rather accomplishes a divine purpose that manifests in something much greater than it ever was. It starts as a raindrop and ends up as bread in someone's mouth. This verse speaks to the power and efficacy of the Word of God. But to whom? Everyone? Everywhere? In every situation or circumstance? Or just to Israel and just certain promises? What is the context of this passage? Here it is. Isaiah was speaking God's oracles to Israel during a particular time and place, and the surrounding verses help us understand the proper context. To quote Nate Sala. Isaiah 55.11 is the terminus of a long train of thought beginning all the way back in chapter 51. In Isaiah 51.14, we see a clear promise that Israel will leave Babylon. Between this verse and 55.11, God makes several promises that Israel will be set free and return to their land. Even greater is the promise that a future suffering servant will come to redeem Israel along with the promise that God's covenant of peace will not be shaken. After all of these promises are laid out in the previous chapters, God then says, My word will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire, and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. The context is clear. God's word refers to the various promises that He makes to Israel. His statement here is specifically intended to assure Israel that His promises will come to pass. End quote. I submit to you that a conclusion like the one I just quoted to you is the only result of an intellectually honest and contextually informed reading of that passage. Some confusion arises, however, when we misunderstand and misapply some of the elements in this passage, and the one I have in my crosshairs is the phrase, My Word. I covered this in my two-part series on the Word of God, and I believe I successfully established that the phrase, Word of God, never refers to the written canon of Scripture when this phrase is used in Scripture. It's always something more transcendent than that. I believe it can be rightly applied, to the collection of 66 scrolls and letters and treatises we call the Bible, so I have no problem with calling the Bible the Word of God, but you need to know that that's never how the phrase is used in Scripture, not once. So when we say, well, God promised that his word would never return void, that's true, but Isaiah didn't have any sort of written canon in mind when he used this phrase. What he meant is that God was going to bring his promises to Israel to pass, and nothing was going to stand in God's way. That brought comfort and encouragement to the Jews who heard it, and it is rightly comforting to know that the same God in Christ Jesus will also keep his promises today. It is not wrong to say we serve a God who does not break his promises and find basis of fact in Isaiah 55:10 through 11 It does, however, miss the mark to use this verse as some sort of outlandish proof text to insist that quoting scripture is some sort of ironclad subpoena that will summon God's presence and power. It never meant that, and it's uncomfortably close to sacrilege to suggest that it does. I want to wind down this episode by sharing with you one last terribly unfortunate effect of misunderstanding and misusing Isaiah 55:10 through 11, which is the neglect of proper preparation and presentation of the gospel. In short, this promise of God's so that his word will not return void is too often used as a cop-out for not engaging with the culture in a full and prepared way, or it's clutched like a security blanket when a Christian is shown to be woefully unfit for sharing the gospel and is soundly defeated in a discussion or dialogue between two worldviews. Oh well, they might say, at least I know God's word won't return void. But this is an illusory comfort, a powerless salve used by those who refuse to do the work and engage with their culture in an effective and robust way. Look at how Jesus and Paul engaged their communities with the gospel. Or, if you like, let's start with John the Baptist. This guy stood around looking like a weirdo and just shouted scripture a lot, right? Well, not quite. Yes, to the parents, was a bit unusual, but that was kind of the point. A lot of Old Testament prophets, which John was did and wore unusual things, and sometimes wore nothing at all, to drive points home. John was no different. And yes, he definitely proclaimed scripture, but to whom? To people who for the most part already knew them or were immersed in them, to the Jewish community, to people who understood their context. Did this describe our culture today? It does not. So I offer you Paul, who, when addressing people in a more agnostic culture such as Athens, adjusted his approach to find points of commonality while using that connection to lead people to Jesus. Or, when debating or arguing with Jews, he leaned on their shared cultural connection and common knowledge of the scriptures. Or, I offer you Jesus, who spoke almost exclusively to, as he put it, the lost sheep of house Israel." who were already immersed in a religious culture that would have resonated with and understood more of what he meant when he spoke. He knew his audience, and it showed. He engaged with them in a thoughtful and well-prepared way. So from the woman at the well, to the Jews in the synagogue, to the pagans on Mars Hill, all of these people had cultural backgrounds, or if you will, a cultural language, one which the sharers of the gospel with these groups of people spoke fluently. So. With regards to standing on corners with large signs with Bible verses or filling our social media feeds with true but polarizing statements citing that the word of God does not return void or they hate me because they hate Christ, I'm convinced that this method is not only ineffective but also counterproductive. We have a responsibility to speak the language of the culture in which we and our listeners are currently immersed. And so I urge you, to not lean on this passage from Isaiah to justify a lack of preparation or serve as a shallow comfort when you're unconvinced of the success of your endeavor to persuade people of the truth of the gospel. Let's allow the Bible to speak in its own terms, in its own context, and let's, until next time, stay balanced.